Environment Today is a podcast about the current state of our planet's environment and ways to contribute to the health and prosperity of our ecosystem. Content presented by Amy and James Sharp. I'm James Sharp. And I'm Amy Sharp. All information being discussed today is from the report titled Global Warming of 1.5 Degrees Celsius, an IPCC special report on the impacts of global warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels and related global greenhouse gas emission pathways in the context of strengthening the global response to the threat of climate change, sustainable development, and efforts to eradicate poverty. Environment Today's podcast will bring this and other reports to you every two weeks, putting these details into layman's terms as much as possible. You will receive a great deal more information than you would hear or read in short blurbs of daily news briefings. We want to bring you all the key facts in detail and then provide real-life solutions that you can implement after hearing the facts of each report. In this report, more than 6,000 scientific references have been cited, 91 authors from the scientific community, and review editors from 40 countries prepared this IPCC report in response to an invitation from the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, or the UNFCCC, when it adopted the Paris Agreement in 2015. This is the first special report from a series that will be created by the IPCC and was released October 8, 2018. The IPCC is an intergovernmental panel on climate change that is part of the United Nations body and is solely tasked with assessing the science related to climate change. Chapter 5 is our last chapter of this IPCC special report and focuses on sustainable development and the sustainable development goals, or SDGs that have been committed to by participating countries. The chapter also examines synergies and trade-offs of adaptation and mitigation options with sustainable development and the SDGs and offers insights into possible pathways, especially climate resilient development pathways towards a one and a half degrees Celsius warmer world. A variety of sources of evidence are used to assess the interactions of sustainable development and the SDGs with the causes, impacts, and responses to climate change of 1.5 degrees Celsius warming. This chapter builds on Chapter 3 to assess the sustainable development implications of impacts at 1.5 degrees Celsius and 2 degrees Celsius, and on Chapter 4, to examine the implications of response measures. Chapter 1 defined sustainable development as development that meets the needs of the present and future generations. Through balancing economic, social, and environmental considerations, and then introduces the United Nations 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development which sets out 17 ambitious goals for sustainable development for all countries by 2030. These SDGs are SDG 1, No Poverty SDG 2, Zero Hunger SDG 3, Good Health and Well-Being 
SDG 4, Quality Education. SDG 5, Gender Equality. SDG 6, Clean Water and Sanitation. SDG 7, Affordable and Clean Energy. SDG 8, Decent Work and Economic Growth. SDG 9, Industry, Innovation, and Infrastructure. SDG 10, Reduced Inequalities. SDG 11, Sustainable Cities and Communities. SDG 12, Responsible Consumption and Production. SDG 13, Climate Action. SDG 14, Life Below Water. SDG 15, Life on Land. And SDG 16, Peace, Justice, and Strong Institutions, as well as SDG 17, Partnerships for the Goals. Limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius rather than 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels would make it markedly easier to achieve many aspects of sustainable development, with greater potential to eradicate poverty and reduce inequalities. Impacts avoided with the lower temperature limit could reduce the number of people exposed to climate risks and vulnerable to poverty by 62 to 457 million, and lessen the risks of poor people to experience food and water insecurity, adverse health impacts, and economic losses, particularly in regions that already face development challenges. Avoided impacts expected to occur between 1.5 degrees Celsius and 2 degrees Celsius warming would also make it easier to achieve certain SDGs, such as those that relate to poverty, hunger, health, water, sanitation, cities, and ecosystems. Compared to current conditions, 1.5 degrees Celsius of global warming would nonetheless pose heightened risks to eradicating poverty, reducing inequalities, and ensuring human and ecosystem well-being. Warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius is not considered safe for most nations, communities, ecosystems, and sectors, and poses significant risks to natural and human systems as compared to the current warming of 1 degree Celsius. The impacts of 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming would disproportionately affect disadvantaged and vulnerable populations through food insecurity, higher food prices, income losses, lost livelihood opportunities, adverse health impacts, and population displacements. Some of the worst impacts on sustainable development are expected to be felt among agricultural and coastal dependent livelihoods, indigenous people, children, and the elderly, poor laborers, poor urban dwellers in African cities, and people and ecosystems in the Arctic and small island developing states. Climate Adaptation and Sustainable Development Prioritization of sustainable development and meeting the SDGs is consistent with efforts to adapt to climate change. Many strategies for sustainable development enable transformational adaptation, 
for a one and a half degrees Celsius warmer world, provided attention is paid to reducing poverty in all its forms and to promoting equity and participation in decision-making. As such, sustainable development has the potential to significantly reduce systemic vulnerability, enhance adaptive capacity, and promote livelihood security for poor and disadvantaged populations. Climate adaptation options comprise structural, physical, institutional, and social responses, with their effectiveness depending largely on governance, political will, adaptive capacities, and availability of finance. Synergies between adaptation strategies and the SDGs are expected to hold true in a one and a half degrees Celsius warmer world across sectors and contexts. Synergies between adaptation and sustainable development are significant for agriculture and health, advancing SDGs to address extreme poverty, hunger, healthy lives and well-being, and clean water. Ecosystem and community-based adaptation, along with the incorporation of indigenous and local knowledge, advances synergies with SDGs of gender equality, reducing inequalities, and inclusive societies, as exemplified in drylands and the Arctic. Adaptation strategies can result in trade-offs with and among the SDGs. Strategies that advance one SDG may create negative consequences for other SDGs. For instance, SDGs on health versus energy consumption. In agricultural adaptation, SDG on food security versus health. Gender equality, clean water, reducing inequalities, life below water, and life on land. Pursuing place-specific adaptation pathways towards a one and a half degrees Celsius warmer world has the potential for significant positive outcomes for well-being in countries at all levels of development. Positive outcomes emerge when adaptation pathways, number one, ensure a diversity of adaptation options based on people's values and the trade-offs they consider acceptable. Number two, Maximize synergies with sustainable development through inclusive, participatory, and deliberative processes. And, number three, facilitate equitable transformation. Yet such pathways would be difficult to achieve without redistributive measures to overcome path dependencies, uneven power structures, and entrenched social inequalities. What are four ways that sustainable development leads to effective adaptation? First, sustainable development enables transformational adaptation when an integrated approach is adopted with inclusive, transparent decision-making, rather than addressing current vulnerabilities as standalone climate problems. Ending poverty in its multiple dimensions is often a highly effective form of climate adaptation. However, ending poverty is not sufficient, and the positive outcome as an adaptation strategy depends on whether increased household wealth is actually directed towards risk reduction and management strategies, as shown in urban municipalities and agrarian communities, 
and whether finance for adaptation is made available. Second, local participation is effective when wider socioeconomic barriers are addressed via multi-scale planning. This is the case, for instance, when national education efforts and indigenous knowledge enhance information sharing, which also builds resilience and reduces risks for maladaptation. Third, development promotes transformational adaptation when addressing social inequalities. For example, the SDG on gender equality supports measures that reduce women's vulnerabilities and allow women to benefit from adaptation. Mobilization of climate finance, carbon taxation, and environmentally motivated subsidies can reduce inequalities, advance climate mitigation and adaptation, and be conducive to strengthening and enabling environments for resilience building. Fourth, when sustainable development promotes livelihood security, it enhances the adaptive capacities for vulnerable communities and households. Examples include SDGs on supporting adaptation in cities to reduce harm from disasters, access to water and sanitation with strong institutions. The SDG on zero hunger and its target that promotes adaptation in agricultural and food systems and targets for SDGs on well-being such as reducing infectious diseases and providing health coverage, are consistent with health-related adaptation. We know from this section that adaptation is the notion of making changes in the way we do things to respond to changes in climate. Conversely, mitigation is the notion of limiting or controlling emissions of greenhouse gases so that the total accumulation is limited. The next section will cover mitigation and sustainable development. The deployment of mitigation options consistent with 1.5 degrees Celsius pathways leads to multiple synergies across a range of sustainable development dimensions. At the same time, the rapid pace and magnitude of change that would be required to limit warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, if not carefully managed, would lead to trade-offs with some sustainable development dimensions. For SDGs of poverty, hunger, water, and energy, there is a risk of trade-offs or negative side effects from stringent mitigation actions compatible with 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming. However, adopting stringent climate mitigation options can generate multiple positive non-climate benefits that have the potential to reduce the costs of achieving sustainable development. Understanding the positive impacts, synergies, but also the negative impacts, trade-offs, is key for selecting mitigation options and policy choices that maximize the synergies between mitigation and developmental actions. Aligning mitigation response options to sustainable development objectives can ensure public acceptance, encouraging faster action, and supporting the design of equitable mitigation that protects human rights. For mitigation options in the energy demand sectors, the number of synergies with all 16 SDGs exceeds the number of trade-offs. 
Most of the interactions are of reinforcing nature, hence facilitating the achievement of the goals. Appropriately designed mitigation actions to reduce energy demand can advance multiple SDGs simultaneously. Pathways compatible with 1.5 degrees Celsius that feature low energy demand show the most pronounced synergies and the lowest number of trade-offs with respect to sustainable development and the SDGs. Accelerating energy efficiency in all sectors has synergies with SDGs on energy, industry, innovation and infrastructure, sustainable cities and communities, responsible consumption and production, peace, justice, strong institutions, and partnerships for the goals. For example, in the building sector, accelerating energy efficiency by way of enhancing the use of efficient appliances, refrigerant transition, insulation, retrofitting and low or zero energy buildings generates benefits across multiple SDG targets. Looking at improved cook stoves is an example of more efficient appliances. New cook stoves make fuel endowments last longer and hence reduce deforestation. Interestingly, it supports equal opportunity by reducing school absences due to asthma among children who do not have to breathe in toxic fumes with a new cook stove. And further, it empowers rural and indigenous women by reducing drudgery. This one change in appliance can be far-reaching in its impact and benefits. Those reluctant to change their habits may miss out on welfare-enhancing energy efficiency opportunities. However, there is a trade-off. Preferences for new products and premature obsolescence for appliances is expected to adversely affect sustainable consumption and production, with ramifications for resource use efficiency. According to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, improved resource efficiency can reduce the negative environmental impacts of natural resource extraction, materials processing, use, and disposal, while securing adequate supplies of materials to sustain economic activity. Another subsector of mitigation involves accelerated decarbonization. The impacts of carbon dioxide removal options on SDGs depends on the types of options and the scale of deployment. If poorly implemented, carbon dioxide removal, or CDR, options such as bioenergy, bioenergy with carbon capture and storage, and agriculture, forestry, and other land use, would lead to trade-offs. Appropriate design and implementation requires considering local people's needs, biodiversity, and other sustainable development dimensions. Decreasing the share of coal in energy supply in line with 1.5 degrees Celsius compatible scenarios reduces adverse impacts of upstream supply chain activities, in particular air and water pollution, and coal mining accidents, and enhances health by reducing air pollution, notably in cities, showing synergies with multiple SDGs. Unfortunately, investment in coal continues to be attractive in many countries, 
as it is a mature technology and provides cheap energy supplies, large-scale employment, and energy security. Hence, accompanying policies and measures would be required to ease job losses and correct for relatively higher prices of alternative energy. Research on historical transitions shows that managing the impacts on workers through retraining programs is essential in order to align the phase-down of mining industries with meeting ambitious climate targets and the objectives of a just transition. This aspect is even more important in developing countries where the mining workforce is largely semi or unskilled. Fast deployment of renewables such as solar, wind, hydro, and modern biomass, together with the decrease of fossil fuels and energy supply, will align with the doubling of renewables in the global energy mix. Renewables could also support progress on SDGs by supplementing new technology. However, some trade-offs with the SDGs can emerge from offshore installations, particularly the SDG of life below water in local contexts. Moreover, trade-offs between renewable energy production and affordability and other environmental objectives would need to be scrutinized for potential negative social outcomes. Policy interventions through regional cooperation building and institutional capacity can enhance affordability. The deployment of small-scale renewables or off-grid solutions for people in remote areas has strong potential for synergies with access to energy, but the actualization of these potentials requires measures to overcome initial technology and reliability risks associated with large-scale deployment of renewables. Bundling energy-efficient appliances and lighting with off-grid renewables can lead to substantial cost reduction while increasing reliability. Low-income populations in industrialized countries are often left out of renewable energy generation schemes, either because of high startup costs or lack of home ownership. Now let's shift to land-based agriculture, forestry, and ocean. What are the best mitigation response options for carbon dioxide removal? In the agriculture, forestry, and other land use, or AFOLU sector, dietary change towards global healthy diets, that is, a shift from overconsumption of animal-related to plant-related diets, and food waste reduction are in synergy with multiple SDGs through lower consumption of animal products and reduced losses and waste throughout the food system, contributing to achieving SDGs of responsible consumption and production and life on land. Power dynamics play an important role in achieving behavioral change and sustainable consumption. In forest management, encouraging responsible sourcing of forest products and securing indigenous land tenure has the potential to increase economic benefits by creating decent jobs, maintaining biodiversity, facilitating innovation, and upgrading technology, and encouraging responsible and just decision-making. 
Emerging evidence indicates that future mitigation efforts that would be required to reach stringent climate targets, particularly those associated with carbon dioxide removal, may also impose significant constraints upon poor and vulnerable communities via increased food prices and competition for arable land, land appropriation and dispossession, with disproportionate negative impacts upon rural poor and indigenous populations. Crops for bioenergy may increase irrigation needs and exacerbate water stress, with negative associated impacts on SDGs of clean water and sanitization and reduced inequalities. Sustainable mitigation solutions for the ocean include ocean iron fertilization and enhanced weathering, which have two-way interactions with life underwater and on land and food security. Iron fertilization is the intentional introduction of iron to iron-poor areas of the ocean surface to stimulate phytoplankton production. Development of blue carbon resources through coastal, mangrove, and marine seaweed vegetative ecosystems encourages integrated water resource management, promotes life on land, poverty reduction, and food security. Transformations towards low emissions energy and agricultural systems can have major implications for freshwater demand as well as water pollution. The scaling up of renewables and energy efficiency as depicted by low emissions pathways would, in most instances, lower water demands for thermal energy supply facilities or water for energy compared to fossil energy technologies and thus reinforce targets related to water access and scarcity. However, some low carbon options such as bioenergy, centralized solar power, nuclear, and hydropower technologies could, if not managed properly, have counteracting effects that compound existing water-related problems in a given locale. Under stringent mitigation efforts, the demand for bioenergy can result in substantial increase of water demand for irrigation, thereby potentially contributing to water scarcity in water-stressed regions. However, this risk can be reduced by prioritizing rain-fed production of bioenergy, but might have adverse effects for food security. Reducing food and energy demand without compromising the needs of the poor emerges as a robust strategy for both water conservation and greenhouse gas emissions reductions. The results underscore the importance of an integrated approach when developing water, energy, and climate policy. What are the overall sustainable development implications that we are facing as we proceed down these pathways? The design of the mitigation portfolios and policy instruments to limit warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius will largely determine the overall synergies and trade-offs between mitigation and sustainable development. Redistributive policies that shield the poor and vulnerable can resolve trade-offs for a range of SDGs. Individual mitigation options are associated with both positive and negative interactions with the SDGs. 
However, appropriate choices across the mitigation portfolio can help to maximize positive side effects while minimizing negative side effects. Investment needs for complementary policies resolving trade-offs with a range of SDGs are only a small fraction of the overall mitigation investments in 1.5 degrees Celsius pathways. Integration of mitigation with adaptation and sustainable development compatible with 1.5 degrees Celsius warming requires a systems perspective. Mitigation consistent with 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming create high risks for sustainable development in countries with high dependency on fossil fuels for revenue and employment generation. These risks are caused by the reduction of global demand, affecting mining activity and export revenues, and challenges to rapidly decrease high carbon intensity of the domestic economy. Targeted policies that promote diversification of the economy and the energy sector could ease this transition. Sustainable development broadly supports and often enables the fundamental societal and systems transformations that would be required for limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Simulated pathway models that feature the most sustainable worlds are associated with relatively lower mitigation and adaptation challenges and limit warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius at comparatively lower mitigation costs. In contrast, development pathways with high fragmentation, inequality and poverty are associated with comparatively higher mitigation and adaptation challenges. In such pathways, it is not possible to limit warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius for the vast majority of the integrated assessment models. In all scenarios, of which some were discussed in Chapter 3 and Podcast 3, mitigation costs substantially increase when comparing 1.5 degrees Celsius pathways compared to 2 degrees Celsius pathways. No pathway in the literature integrates or achieves all 17 Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs. Real-world experiences at the project level show that the actual integration between adaptation, mitigation, and sustainable development is challenging, and it requires reconciling trade-offs across sectors and spatial scales. While the SDGs capture many important aspects of sustainable development, including the explicit goals of poverty eradication and reducing inequality, there are direct connections from climate to other measures of sustainable development, including multidimensional poverty, equity, ethics, human security, well-being, and climate-resilient development. The UN proposes sustainable development as eradicating poverty in all its forms and dimensions, combating inequality within and among countries, preserving the planet, creating sustained, inclusive, and sustainable economic growth, and fostering social inclusion. There is robust evidence of the links between climate change and poverty. The IPCC Fifth Assessment Report from 2014 concluded with high confidence that disruptive levels of climate change would make reducing poverty 
an impossibility. To add to this conundrum, international organizations have since stated that climate changes undermines the ability of all countries to achieve sustainable development and can reverse or erase improvements in living conditions and decades of development. We do know that climate warming has unequal impacts on different people and places as a result of differences in regional climate changes, vulnerabilities and impacts, and these differences then result in unequal impacts on sustainable development and poverty. Responses to climate change also interact in complex ways with goals of poverty reduction. The benefits of adaptation and mitigation projects and funding may be realized to some and not others. Responses may be costly and unaffordable to some people and countries, and projects may disadvantage some individuals, groups, and development initiatives. Some regions have already experienced a one and a half degree Celsius warming with impacts on food and water security, health and other components of sustainable development. Climate change is also already affecting poor subsistence communities through decreases in crop production and quality, increases in crop pests and diseases, and disruption to culture. It disproportionately affects children and the elderly and can increase gender inequality. By 2030, roughly approximating a one and a half degree Celsius warming, 122 million additional people could experience extreme poverty based on a poverty scenario of limited socioeconomic progress, mainly due to higher food prices and declining health with substantial income losses for the poorest 20% across 92 countries. In 2050, based on the Hadley Center Climate Prediction Model 3 and the Special Report on Emission Scenarios A1B scenario, roughly comparable to 1.5 degrees Celsius warming, 450 million more flood-prone people would be exposed to doubling in flood frequency, and global flood risk would increase substantially. For droughts, poor people are expected to be more exposed, 85% in population terms, in a warming scenario greater than 1.5 degrees Celsius for several countries in Asia and southern and western Africa. In urban Africa, a 1.5 degree Celsius warming could expose many households to water poverty and increased flooding. At 1.5 degrees Celsius warming, fishery-dependent and coastal livelihoods of often disadvantaged populations would suffer from the loss of coral reefs. Global heat stress is projected to increase in a 1.5 degree Celsius warmer world, and by 2030, Compared to 1961 to 1990, climate change could be responsible for additional annual deaths of 38,000 people from heat stress, particularly among the elderly, and 48,000 from diarrhea, 60,000 from malaria, and 95,000 from childhood undernutrition. 
each 1% degree Celsius increase could reduce work productivity by 1% to 3% for people working outdoors or without air conditioning, typically the poorer segments of the workforce. Clearly, limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius would make it markedly easier to achieve the sustainable development goals for poverty eradication, water access, safe cities, food security, healthy lives, and inclusive economic growth, and would help to protect terrestrial ecosystems and biodiversity. Without social transformation and rapid implementation of ambitious greenhouse gas reduction measures, pathways to limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius and achieving sustainable development will be exceedingly difficult, if not impossible, to achieve. The potential for pursuing such pathways differs between and within nations and regions due to different development trajectories, opportunities, and challenges. Limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius would require all countries and non-state actors to strengthen their contributions without delay. This could be achieved through sharing efforts based on bolder and more committed cooperation, with support for those with the least capacity to adapt, mitigate, and transform current efforts towards reconciling low-carbon trajectories and reducing inequalities, including those that avoid difficult trade-offs associated with transformation, are partially successful, yet demonstrate notable obstacles. Social justice and equity are core aspects of climate-resilient development for transformational social change. Addressing challenges and widening opportunities between and within countries and communities would be necessary to achieve sustainable development and limit warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius without making the poor and disadvantaged worse off. Identifying and navigating inclusive and socially acceptable pathways toward low-carbon, climate-resilient future is a challenging yet important endeavor, fraught with moral, practical, and political difficulties and inevitable trade-offs. The fundamental societal and systemic changes to achieve sustainable development, eradicate poverty, and reduce inequalities, while limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius would require meeting a set of institutional, social, cultural, economic, and technological conditions. The coordination and monitoring of policy actions across sectors and spatial scales is essential to support sustainable development in 1.5 degrees Celsius warmer conditions. External funding and technology transfer better support these efforts when they consider recipients' context-specific needs. Inclusive processes can facilitate transformations by ensuring participation, transparency, capacity building, and building social learning. Attention to power asymmetries and unequal opportunities for development among and within countries is key to adopting the 1.5 degrees Celsius compatible development pathways that benefit all populations. Re-examining individual and collective values could help spur urgent, ambitious, and cooperative change. 
Well-being for all is at the core of an ecologically safe and socially just space for humanity, including health and housing, peace and justice, social equality, gender equality, and political voices. It is in alignment with transformative social development and the 2030 agenda of leaving no one behind. The social conditions to enable well-being for all are to reduce entrenched inequalities within and between countries, rethink prevailing values, ethics, and behaviors, allow people to live a life in dignity while avoiding actions that undermine capabilities, transform economies, overcome uneven consumption and production patterns, collaborating collectively to achieve these goals and possibly the most important, is to conceptualize development as well-being rather than mere economic growth. We received a very profound message in today's podcast on what we must do globally and locally to transform our world. What is one thing that I can do to help in this transformation? Transformation can come from making a commitment to change in the way in which we consume energy. Changing the amount of energy that we consume based upon our behaviors and how we consume daily, changing the efficiency from low to high efficient consumption is also important. Energy efficiency is the least expensive, most quickly deployable, and cleanest of all energy resources. According to research by American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy, or ACEEE, and other organizations. But providing evidence of real and reliable savings is essential to assure public support for energy efficiency programs. Evaluation and measurement of your energy usage is a transparent way for you to assess the usage in your house. High usage means high costs. Low usage of energy translates to great savings for you and the protection of the environment. One great feature that many local electric companies offer is to visit your home and conduct an energy efficiency evaluation. Go to your electric company's website to see if this feature is offered in your area. If not, you can do this on your own. The following checklist includes some important ways to reduce energy consumption and can be found on the website smarterhouse.org, along with many other energy-saving tips. Number one, reduce the temperature of your water heater to 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Use the lower temp settings on your dryer. It's gentler to your clothes. Number two, Wash clothes using full loads on a cold setting. Do full loads and dishwashers too. If you must pre-rinse dishes, newer models make this unnecessary, use cold water. Number three, ease demands on your fridge by letting hot food cool before putting it inside. Label food so you don't stand there with the door open. Keep the freezer full. Full freezers perform better than nearly empty ones. Number four, seal air leaks to minimize heat loss. 
Use caulk for leaky windows and gaps less than one quarter inch wide. Use rigid foam insulation for large openings. Number five, use a power strip for electronics. Unplug it or turn it off when devices are not in use or use a smart power strip that detects when your electronics are not in use and automatically turns off. Number six, stream media using tablets or smart TVs rather than game consoles. Number seven, select energy saving settings on electronics, refrigerators, dishwashers, washing machines, and clothes dryers. Number eight, set the thermostat to 65 degrees Fahrenheit when it's cold outside and 80 degrees when it's hot. Turning down the thermostat from 70 to 65 in the winter can save you 10% on heating bills. Number nine, close windows when using air conditioning or heat. Close blinds and drapes to keep out the sun in hot weather, but open them during the day when it's cold outside. Number 10, clean or replace air filters. Clean your registers and don't block them with furniture, carpets, or drapes. Number 11, buy water-saving shower heads and faucet aerators to cut water use by up to 50%. Repair leaky faucets right away. Number 12, get a home performance audit to identify the best ways to reduce energy use and improve comfort. Typical upgrades include new insulation and air and duct sealing. Number 13, replace old inefficient appliances and heating cooling equipment with new models that meet minimum efficiency standards. These changes can save you up to $500 a year. Look for models with the blue Energy Star label. Thank you for listening to our Environment Today podcast, and we hope you found the information from Chapter 5 of the IPCC report useful. Please stay tuned in two weeks to our continuation of more findings related to climate change. We look forward to sharing more then on the Environment Today.